Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Welcome back for another episode of the Make That Money Honey podcast. I have the absolute pleasure of introducing a colleague of mine, Tyler Ranala. Tyler has been a coach for the last eight months, but he has a very interesting story of how he got into this business in the first place. He dropped out of college at the age of 19 to provide for his daughter, and he jokes that he went to YouTube University and built a six-figure photo and video business on YouTube alone. Tyler is the father of three children, a husband, a legacy coach, business strategist, and an entrepreneur. He works with people to get intimately connected to their legacy and the immense clarity and courage that comes from sitting with the truth that our time on this earth has an expiration date. (laughs) He believes the deeper we are connected to our mortality, the deeper we are connected to our soul, our heart, our love, and our purpose. Woo! Tyler, so happy to have you on the show today. What an amazing bio. Thank you for joining me. I am super, super grateful to be here with you. We were chatting earlier this week, and we've had a couple of calls now where we just connect and we love to talk about business ideas. And I love jumping on with you because I feel like we only ever schedule an hour and we get so many ideas flowing that we always just end up going like way past that. So, There's so many things that came up in our last session that I didn't know anything about when it came to you and your story and how you've gotten to the place that you're in right now. So I would just love to share a little bit about, firstly, like where this idea came from to build a legacy, because I know you're a dad and you just had a little baby, what, two weeks ago now? Yeah, two weeks old. (laughs) <laughs> Two weeks old. So building a legacy is such an important thing for parents. And I would just love to hear about how you created this concept. Yeah, absolutely. Um, legacy is, when I really started playing around with what legacy means, that the obvious is like what you leave behind, right? A lot of people, they might even think about like estate planning or the money you leave behind or whatever that is. Uh, but the longer I've sat with it and the more people I've coached in this space and the deeper I've gotten connected to that, I realize it's so much more than that. And legacy is the ripple effect that happens because you were here. And that is something that isn't necessarily left behind at the moment you maybe shed the mortal coil. It's something that is created constantly within every single moment of every single day. Every moment is an opportunity that creates a ripple in some other person's life. And it's something that is also self-perpetuating. And it continues on with its own energy. And so as we get deeply connected to that the first thing that legacy considering legacy does is it instantly makes you think about others and has this element of selflessness to it right yeah especially the longer you go right like how many generations like if you want to stick within your own family how many generations will these actions like ripple into because we we all we've all experienced the ripples and the effects of other people in our own lives from our parents and maybe things we experience in school. Like we have, all of us are on these healing journeys, healing these specific moments that happened in our life that created ripples. And the more we heal and the more we get connected to that, we can recognize 
how much opportunity there is in like every moment of each day to be able to create positive impacts that no one will ever know about. It's impossible to trace. But if you have a focus on that, you're instantly outside of yourself and in a place of service and connecting to your heart. And it's, it's created thing it's created things in my life that I never would have expected. Wow. Yeah. And the word that really stood out there for me, because I use it in my own business as well is impact. Mm -hmm. How do we create impact for the people in our lives, for the people around us and show up authentically from a place of selflessness, not what's in it for me or not signing the next client or it's like, how can I serve my community for the people that maybe have never been exposed to personal development and maybe have never had a mentor or grew up without parents or, you know, all there's so many different ways that we can show up and create impact. So let's talk about that for a minute. Who are some of the people that you work with and what, it, what is some of the, the work that you do when you bring on a client into your legacy business? Well, I guess uh, before I answer that question, I love what the, your question of what does leave an impact is so important because it right away is like, oh, is it beyond a financial legacy? For me, it really, yeah. me personally, that boils down to who feels, who feels more love in this world because they experienced you. Right. And mm, I love that. <laughs> so like, I think the first place when I work with people is developing a deeper connection to the relationship that they have with themselves. Yep. And when you come into that place where you start to love yourself more deeply and more unconditionally, I think that's the first thing is knowing that love is unconditional. So it's how can you love yourself without condition? Without I have to be here or I have to be I have to be this size or I have to have this much money in the bank. How can you love yourself right now exactly who you are without conditions? And the that is there's that just that's not a destination. It that is forever unfolding. But when you come into that place of deeply loving yourself, you then need less from others. Less approval. Yeah less need for people to work with you or the financial benefits. It becomes about others. So it starts with loving yourself. And then from there you get to explore now that my cup is full and overflowing. What are the ways that I can now put that into the world to help others? To fill others cups yeah, or to teach them how to fill it themselves essentially. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I've I've been working on a little bit of this recently. I mean, you know, you and I chatted about my episode 23 on my podcast about how my course launch was a dumpster fire. And it's so funny because that was the podcast episode that was like quadruple the downloads from any other podcast episode within the first 24 hours. And it's amazing how so many people want to connect to places of vulnerability because they themselves can resonate with that and, you know, feel like they're connected and feel like they're not alone and that they're not the only one struggling or that they're not the only one making mistakes because what we see so much in our world now and not just on social media, but everywhere is all of these people winning and making, you know, headlines and blowing up businesses and going crazy, creating millions of dollars in NFTs and cryptos and all sorts of other stuff. And it's like, yeah. it's very easy to get into this place of, you know, self-deprivating fear and comparison mm -hmm. and, and then not loving yourself, as you mentioned about unconditionally loving yourself, because you think that, Oh, when I have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank or when I get this next promotion or when, 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 instead of now. Yeah. Right. And it's like, how do we embrace and love ourselves now during every step of that journey? Yeah. It takes a lot of work 
which is weird, right? Because it's like, oh, without condition, okay, I just need to not have it. But you, you have to take the time to identify. Like, I love the idea that we don't learn how to love. We just remove the things that are in the way of us loving. We remove the walls that mm. have been built up around our heart. And so you have to take the time to identify each of these different walls, each of these different barriers of protection that we've built around our hearts and around our souls to stay safe. And as you get through those one at a time, you start to be able to kind of let your light shine some more. So giving yourself permission to take the time to sit in the very uncomfortable (laughs) conversations and journaling and meditations and all these things where you sit with like, what's happened, what has happened to me that has caused me to need to protect myself. And so as you start dealing with those and, and healing it, finding forgiveness, finding compassion, then you get to let those walls kind of down and start to slowly let people in and also let yourself be seen. And to your point about comparison, oh man, that's so powerful because I think a lot of us have heard this idea of like your message, your message, right? Which is uh, like, I think exactly why your episode did so well is you just got to say like, it's not perfect, right? Things aren't perfect. And that's so huge to be able to teach people because not everything is perfect. I know that's one thing we're going to talk about was my latest and biggest, what I thought as like financial failure for my last business. But the lessons that come out of those things are what's super valuable. And we are risk averse and we're afraid to fail because if we fail, then that says something about us and who we are and what our capabilities are. So if we, when you listen to other people's failures, seemingly failures, and realize that there was blessings along the way, and that I have to fail in order to move forward, and it's just a part of the process, you give yourself permission to not have to be perfect. And yep. then the habit of comparison starts to dwindle because you don't have that like sensitivity as much that fear that you're not perfect or that you're not going to make it. And so you get to start hearing other people's successes and rather than being like jealous or have comparison, all of those stories get to be just as powerful, all the stories of failures and you get to start celebrating other people's successes. And then when you celebrate those successes, you invite it into your own life. And so you hear the exact same things, but the way that that impacts you and leads you into the future changes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you were just talking, I was just thinking about, and because you're a father of of three and with some very young ones, you can relate to this. But when I was in uh, Toronto last year, in August, I was at my girlfriend's house for her one-year-old's birthday party. And he was trying to learn how to walk, but wasn't quite there yet. Right. And he was using the couch and he was pushing his little, um, little wagon thing around and whatever. But in no moment was he looking at other kids or other kids the same age and saying, how come they can walk and I can't? I must be bad. I must be failing. I must be, you know, not good enough. These are learned concepts that we don't have as a child. When they're learning how to walk, they just try. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, try again. Okay, that didn't work try this. Okay. That maybe worked a little bit. Okay. Now I can use the couch. Okay. I got this. And they, they push along and then they fall and then they try again and then they try again. Like imagine if we took that attitude into our life in every aspect of our life where we're not looking left and right. We're not looking at the kid that's three years older or the, you know, kid that's the same age as us and have been, has been walking for three months already. We're just focused on doing what we need to do to make it happen. Exactly. And at no moment did any adult be like, oh, they didn't figure it out. They're not going to figure it out ever. Like, you know, it's like, I love that analogy of like learning how to walk. And I think a similar one is when like learning how to ride a bike, like you, you lean too far to the left and then you fall over. But that, that wasn't a failure. And that didn't signify that you'll never ride a bike. It was just the input you needed to be able to know how to correct the other way. And so it's like, it's part of it. I know um, Sarah Blakely's father 
said this to her. And I think she said every day would ask, what is something you failed at today? And I started to do that with my own daughter, who's 10. And what has come out of it is this awareness that, oh, I failed because I tried. Mm, Like it was, it was something that you only got to experience because you tried. And so then you get to start like being like, oh, right. I failed today, which really means I tried and I went for it and I took a shot. It's like um, Wayne Gretzky's quote, that's you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I love that quote so much. (laughs) It's so good. Especially being Canadian. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and I even hate the word fail. It's like you either grow or you learn. And if you're learning, you're growing, right? It's, yep. you know, we could go into quotes all day long, but it's essentially, it's like, if you tried, there's a, there's an outcome regardless. You didn't fail. Sure. My course launch didn't go nearly the way I wanted, but I'll tell you what, I learned how to do a whole lot of other things in the process. And sometimes we have to throw ourselves into situations that are not necessarily ideal because we won't know what it takes until we've actually tried it. We can read all the books like investing. For example, I get a lot of people asking me about, Oh, do I have any books that recommend how to start investing? Uh There's no guidebook, how to start investing. You can learn things that will help you but there's no guidebook. There's no Bible of investing or there's no, you know, you can, you can read all the books about personal development and self-help and business and leadership and all this. But at the end of the day, you just got to try and some stuff is going to work and some stuff isn't. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you learn so much faster. Totally. When you do it that way. So let me, let me, that's a really good lead in to your, big challenge that you overcame in the last couple of years and you took a big risk in business and had some incredible learnings from that. So let me (laughs) get you to speak about that and share from your most vulnerable hour, because this was a, this was a really cool story that you told me the other day. Yeah. So, uh, for nine years, I documented weddings as a wedding photographer and videographer and, uh, it was just my my goal to capture some the amount of love someone had in their life and then present it to them. And it was amazing, um, but it came at a sacrifice of time for my family. And because I had to be available when people were available, right, on the weekends and the weeknights, and it came – it, there was, it came a point in my life where I wasn't willing to sacrifice that time anymore. So my kids got older, um, and – Then I started looking at all the other things I wanted to do. And uh, my wife had seen some people on YouTube, I swear, YouTube University, it's my life, who built businesses doing retail arbitrage. And they would buy overstock, or well, actually, in a lot, most of the videos, what they do is they go to thrift stores and they find things uh, at the thrift stores that they can sell online for more, like three to four times more. So you would go in, like we bought, uh, we were at Goodwill when we started trying this and we found like coach shoes for like five bucks, right? So then we turned around and we could sell them uh, on Poshmark, which is a reselling app and eBay and all these other ones. And the, you know, the people on YouTube we were listening to were making ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 months and we were like, oh, there's flexibility we, because we're not the artist the person doing the activity, we can hire other people to do it. And we just saw this opportunity. And uh, so we just went all in on it. And we like built up our systems. It, it like took me about like a month or two of actually buying stuff, processing, photographing it, developing all of the backend systems so that it was just seamless and efficient. Um, and then we hired six employees. We got a lease on a warehouse and, uh, to f- just do all of the f- everything from receiving the pallets to processing it all, photographing every single piece, folding it, measuring it, and then the descriptions and listing online. And we were like processing and listing like 100 items a day. Uh, and it was a beautiful process. But what happened is we ended up losing like $150,000 in this venture. 
And it was, yeah, it was, and it came right before our third was born, you know, like we knew we were having our third and it was like, it was really, really big. There was, there was no plan B like that was it. And we just went into it fully. Like this is going to work, like burn the boats moment. And I thought that's what it took because that's how my photography business was built. Like I didn't have any, like the weddings on the books. I had shot like one or two and I just knew that I loved it and I quit my job. Uh, That's not true. I got laid off from my job along with 50 other people. And I was like, there's no way I'm going back. I'm doing, I'm doing this photography thing. And my daughter's mom at the time was like, you have a month to make it happen. And if not, you've got to go to get a job, which is fair because I provided for the family and made sure we could eat and have water and all these things. And, uh, it just, it worked. It was so serendipitous. I got this random call from a country club and got to do a bridal show and only like 20 or 30 brides showed up. It was super small, but I booked seven weddings and like all of a sudden I was on the map. And it was like, this is happening. So I was like, all right, burn the boats. That's what you should do. And that's, so that's what I did in this, but I invested everything into it (laughs) and it was not the right move. But the, the biggest lesson was focus on income. Mm -hmm. You have to focus on your income producing activities and make sure that that is there, right? Cause we build a business with, you know, five figure expenses like per month. And it was only bringing in like two or $3,000 in sales. Cause we just assumed these things are valuable. We're going to put them online where people are shopping and then they're going to sell. They all sell, but super slowly. Yeah. Or for less than you think, cause people are offering you and oh yeah, it's been sitting on the market for a month and you just want to get rid of it. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Because it was every single piece and dealt with offers. So we would like list it. So yeah, we figured out the whole game of how much to list it at so that we could discount it this much that like, Mm. but it was still, we didn't understand every single piece of the business before we made the big investment and we didn't prove, we didn't have proof of concept on the income side of it. So like moving forward from that, the big lesson was don't hire too soon. Like, because I was like, oh, I got all the systems. I thought I did it right. Like I built the systems I, so that I could train everybody. I didn't hire too soon on that side of it. I didn't prove the income. And so now moving forward and now even how I support people in their, with business strategy is like, where's the money coming in? Like, let's get that money right first and then look at hiring people. And it's just so valuable because it's so easy for us to like think certain things take a really long time. And when we, add in like training somebody it does take a lot longer and when you figure it out yourself like some task that you might have sent to your virtual assistant actually would have taken you the same amount of time just do it yourself than it would have been to actually send over the task to them (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so but you just have to find that groove of like bringing in the money figuring out what does sell like this is a story that i heard i think probably eight years ago now with some YouTube video, this guy said like, when you start a business, you're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to sell blue circles. Then as you're selling blue circles, you learn that people actually want green squares. So you start selling green squares. And as you're selling those, you learn people want red triangles. So now you start selling red triangles. And then that takes off. Like that's the process. It is this mm-hmm. ever evolving, not perfect process. And so if you are, if you're connect, if you, have a need for things to be perfect so that it can prove to yourself something about you. That's going to be a huge block and a hurdle to overcome. And so giving yourself permission that this doesn't have to be perfect, not marrying your ideas and dating your ideas. It's just so much more freeing and fun and playful. And you just start, as you come into that place, your acceleration and your momentum, it like, it skyrockets. It's crazy just from being in a place of non-attachment and just being more available and, and more listening to what the things outside of you are telling you. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. That's super deep because it's, you know, I was listening to you and I was, I felt like you were talking to me in my business because I am absolutely a perfectionist and I got married to the outcome of certain business strategies, certain business functions that I was doing. And I was like, created this concept of 
coaching and you know it wasn't necessarily what my audience wanted and I'll just give you the example it was a group coaching talking about money and not everybody wants to talk about money in group coaching settings right yeah. so I, and it was like right when I first started my business last year July 2021 and I got so married to this idea and try to perfect it and perfect it. And it was like, well, that's just not what people want. People want to talk about things one-on-one. They want to talk about particular issues and you do have to adapt. You go from the blue circles to the green squares, to the red triangles and very much being, being able to pivot whether you're a salaried employee or whether you're a business owner, because you may try your first job and you hate it but you have this fear of, well, what if I do a career change? You know, I'm going to look like I gave up or, or I fail or I failed at this or I wasn't good at it. So I had to try something else. But it's like, who cares if you're not happy doing it, just make the change, try something different. If that doesn't work out, you just change again. People get so attached to the idea of permanency. Uh And like you said, you know, what if you try it and it doesn't work? It's like, well, at least you tried and at least now you know exactly and so so yeah i mean congratulations on going through that process because (laughs) that could have gone one of two ways right it could have gone one of two ways and i truly believe that those are the experiences that shape us and that make us appreciate other wins in our life because we're like okay we tried really hard we put 110 percent effort into this thing and in your case didn't get the result that you wanted Uh But I mean, what would you say your three biggest takeaways from that experience were? Yeah. The first one that comes to mind is a story I heard from Jim Carrey. And he said that his father was like the funniest man that he's ever met. But he ended up giving up on his dream and becoming an accountant. And then later ended up getting laid off. And Jim Carrey said at that moment, he realized that you can you can fail at what you don't love. So you might as well give what you love a shot. And the first lesson was to do the thing you love is I didn't have any emotional connection to reselling clothes. It, it really came out, out of a desire to be able to make money, not out of a desire to serve. It had no connection to my legacy, you know, outside of, being able to support other people financially with employees and all that kind of stuff, right? Like there are, there's still so many blessings, but that was the first big thing of like, you must do what you love and the things you love, that love was put there for a reason. And you have to listen to that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is have proof of concept, focus on income producing activities. The third thing is the theme we're talking about is, like run towards run towards failure. <laughs> That's the input you need to keep moving forward and to find the right path. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're, you, you are speaking to my language there because when I was going through this with my you know recent course launch and whatnot, I love talking about this experience now, like I'm some wisdom guru from this one experience, but I'm totally not. But, uh, you know, when I, when I look back, I remember thinking to myself, this is part of the process. This is part of the learning. If entrepreneurship and self-employment and starting your own business was easy, everybody would be doing it. And there's a reason people say, you know, you're an entrepreneur when you're not sleeping, you're not eating, you're, you know, staying up until three in the morning working on ideas, or you're writing notes while you're, you know, should be doing other things, because your, your whole, everything depends on you and your creativity and your belief, and your commitment to the dream of whatever it is. And I love what you mentioned about not reselling clothes had no attachment to your legacy. When I was in financial planning, I felt very much the same. I remember having a conversation with my mom on the phone. This was when I was living in Australia and uh, my mom is a financial planner. So I very much went that route, you know, and I don't like to admit this, but I probably went a lot of that route just to make her happy and please her and, and all of that. And I just remember saying to her multiple times on the phone, 
I just feel like there's something bigger out there for me where I can have more impact than just sitting across the table from people who've already made it because I was working with high net worth clients. Yep. I want to work with the people that are in the trenches, you know, the front line. How do I create impact with single moms or people who are trying to juggle having three kids and a mortgage and school fees and, you know, medical expenses and things like that. And when you talk about connection to your legacy, I would just love to know what drove you, like what was the sort of deciding factor that you made the switch from saying, I'm going to throw in the towel with this business and go all in on my next business. You know, what's funny is the switch came from reading a book that's a very short book but a really really good book called the seven spiritual laws of success by deepak chopra and there's this it's so funny because this is what pushed me but then i also don't believe in this fully yet (laughs) but it was a chapter about the law of least resistance or law of least effort and it said when you He said, nature as a whole has an element of perfection, an element of effortlessness to it. Like roses don't try to bloom, they bloom. Birds don't try to fly, they fly. Fish don't try to swim, they just swim. Right? Like humans don't necessarily try to breathe. We just breathe. There's this element and we breathe with the exact amount of oxygen that we need, right? For the most part, this is these are generalizations, but this this idea that nature has an effortless nature, and when you commit to who you are and your own nature, your life will take on an element of effortlessness. And I had looked at the last decade as an entrepreneur, and there were almost no parts of it that felt effortless. And I was like, "Wow, that sounds pretty good." <laughs> and I just went all in on believing that. And it is true, but it doesn't mean there is an effort. Like I, I totally, I I believe in that it's because I can look back and see how much harder it was when I wasn't being me, when I wasn't doing the thing for, by honoring who I am at my core, right? Um, it'd be like if I was, if it's, it, that would be like, if I try to be an accountant, like I'm a very creative person and you can be creative in accountant, you know, as, as an accountant, but like I was going to school to become an architect because my dad's an architect and I wanted to please him too. And I got a job at a firm when I was like 18 and I was sitting on the computer and they call it your, it's AutoCAD is the program. And when you're at the computer on CAD, you're, you're called a CAD monkey. And I remember just like, being so bored i was like this isn't me right so like that's that was one way of me saying that it's not me right i need to be doing something else and creative that's forever shifting and i could see that the element of how much more effort it took to just not be you that is a hundred percent true but once you commit and surrender to you there is effort to come in to place right and it doesn't it so it doesn't mean you just you don't get to you don't do anything right like you just get to now uncover how powerful you are when you do put in aligned effort but that was a switch that's when i read that book and i was sick and tired of being sick and tired and that just it clicked for me and uh i was so fortunate that when i went to my wife and I said, I don't want to do this business and I want to become a coach that she supported me. How cool is it that you found that message in that book and, and you just, it just totally struck a nerve and made you take action into going into something that you do feel so aligned to, because I know the feeling I, I remember sitting when I was bored out of my mind doing a job that I didn't, align with. And I just remember thinking like, I feel like I'm dying in this. (laughs) Like you just feel like you're losing part of your life. And what I really, what really resonated with me in your bio was that our time on earth has an expiration date. We're not infinite beings. And if we're spending a third of our week 
doing something that we hate or are bored in or is not illuminating us in some shape or form, what the heck are we doing? And so many people get stuck on the hamster wheel of going to a job just to pay bills. And it's easier said than done to just pack up and leave if you've got bills to pay and kids to feed and all that. But when you talked about the shift in effort, because I would not one one question that a coach asked me uh, when I first got into this business was, what's one thing that you would do for free and feel good about it? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's coaching people about money, coaching people about how to remove their limiting beliefs so that they can live a life of abundance, right? Would I do insurance applications? Hell no. I would not do that for free. Right. And that's kind of a good question to ask. It's like, what do you, I had a conversation with a client recently and, and she's in an HR role and I'm like, what do you actually enjoy? And she's like, well, I think I would be good at this new HR role. I'm like, yeah, but what do you enjoy? She's like, I love interior decorating. And we came up with a plan about that. It's awesome. Because we're not meant to be bored humans. No, no. This is another huge lesson is that life, like by definition, is change. Hmm. It is it is change. Progression life, and change. Yeah, yeah. Pro, yeah, exactly. Life is progressive. And when we don't participate in that consistent and persistent evolution, there's stagnation. And it's not alive. And so even when you say, this is the thing that I would do if I didn't make money, I would totally talk about green squares. Give yourself permission that that isn't the thing it'll always be. Just do that. Follow that joy. I, I think our intuition's language is joy. And you listen to that, but you know that it will evolve. And you just continue to follow that place. So it's this really weird place of surrender where you, I don't I don't know what the future is going to look like. I just believe in myself and maybe in something else that's supporting me. I'm just going to keep moving forward and committing to the thing that brings joy. Mm-hmm. And you did that. And you took that step. And that's amazing. What would you say is some of the... I mean, you, you coach people in these transformations and, and, you know, coming out of their old self and coming into their new self, what would you say is like one of the key things that holds most people back from making that shift? The first thing that came up for me when you said that was that we more come out of our trauma self and into our original selves. And so... I think the thing that holds us back is the traumas. And if we don't face those things, it's pretty hard to to realize who you are at your core and to realize your worthiness. So you have to sift through that and sit sometimes in that darkness to move through. Um, and that's why having somebody to support you can be so powerful. And it doesn't mean you have to get a coach that costs 50 grand a year, somebody there to hold space non-judgmentally where you can sit in those experiences and work through them and then heal and be able to find who you truly are inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this word trauma has been coming up a lot in conversations lately that with, you know, fellow coaches or clients And it's an interesting one because it's amazing how we hold trauma in like our cells. Yeah. And until we release it, we have a, you know, a blocker, a physical blocker that's preventing us from moving forward in a certain way. Oh, it's so real. It's weird. (laughs) Like I'll tell you an actual example of that in my own life. Last year, I herniated a disc in my back. And, um, I happened, I was in bed for six weeks. I, I had to crawl to get to the the bathroom and it was like 20 feet away and it would take me five minutes. It was miserable. And, but it gave me an opportunity 
to sit with my thoughts and to sit with life. Um, and one of the things How that scary came, was that, Oh dude, <laughs> super scary. And I could not move. So that's where we were. So you're like, I life, can't even escape to the bathroom. <laughs> oh yeah. So life planted me where it wanted me. And I did this meditation, a Gabby Bernstein meditation called rage on the page. And I always have thought of myself as like a very kind, loving person. And this exercise came up of rage on the page. You sit down for 20 minutes, put on some really nice, calm music, and just write out everything you're angry about. And like up into my pen hit the paper, I was like, I don't have anything I'm angry about. And then, oh man, three minutes in, I had to stop. I was like fuming out of my ears. And then what came up is I remembered the moment I herniated my disc. My back was already hurting and I was in karate and we were like doing this exercise and lifting up people who were our size. And I went to lift this guy up who was bigger than me and my back, I felt something go wrong. But then what I did is I went to lift him up again. I had this determination that like, no, like I'm the person who does this. And there was something (laughs) that I was trying to prove to myself. And at the core of all of that, was I was trying to prove myself to something because the love for myself was still conditional. But it was like through this anger and sitting with that really uncomfortable, angry thing that I got to then get in touch with it and see that that was a part of why I herniated a disc was because I pushed myself mm-hmm. in a moment when I wasn't listening to my body and I was trying to prove something else. And I was just and a little your body bit of, punished you for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how much that when we sit alone with our thoughts, how much transformation can happen and how much emotion can come up. And I think our society teaches us to suppress that, you know, and to ignore our feelings and not let it out. And sometimes people just need to have a good cry or rage on a page or, whatever they need to do, you know, go to a boxing class or something like that to just let it out and release it so that they can move forward. Like what you said, you know, the the transformation of people holding them back is this trauma and with trauma comes fear and fear of fear of repeating the trauma essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Fear of that pain again and that trauma again. Yeah. And so in a lot of meditations, They tell you to breathe in and then breathe out, right? And recently I heard someone say, breathe in and then let that breath go. And it was just a really subtle thing. But I realized that 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 is life. Like in order to let in another breath, you have to let go of the last one. Mm -hmm. And I think holding on to our traumas is like holding our breath. And you got to release it to let something else come in. Oof. I feel like we're going to have to quote that one as the title of this podcast. Ooh, I like <laughs> that it. was I just the aha moment for me. <laughs> yeah, no, but it is. It's true. And you know, it's so funny that you said that because I was on a, I was on my own coaching call this morning, and my coach said to me, "She's like, okay." First thing she said to me, she's like, "Are you ready to let it go?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, <sighs> you know, it's so funny that you talk about Gabby Bernstein because I literally found Gabby Bernstein. I mean, I've I've heard of her, but I've never really listened to anything of her for the first time yesterday. And I yeah. listened to this short book on short audiobook on um, audible. It's like three hours or something. I can't even remember what it's called. And I was like breathing when I was walking, she was talking about taking these deep breaths in and then repeating these mantras or affirmations or whatever she called them. Yep. And I've never done anything like that when I've been out walking mm-hmm. and it was all about letting go and just like letting ourselves absorb and release whatever it was that yeah. we were hanging on to. And that breath analogy is such a good one. So you good. Can't I... let in the, you can't let in the new without getting rid of the old. Oh, exactly. Whether it's relationships, <laughs> everything. Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect example. If when we hold on to those relationships, it, it, it stops something else. Mm-hmm. We hold on to a job where we're miserable. We have to let it go to open up space for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah. the only thing I have to add, because I feel like it'd be a disservice if I did not, is something somebody else told me, an amazing person called Tim Story, and he's been on 
Super Soul Sunday with Oprah. He was a coach to Oprah. And I um, got the opportunity to ask him a question. And he was talking about how to rip the tags off, like the tags that we've been mislabeled with in our lives, how to take them off and how to replace it with like your royal DNA. And I just asked him if he mm. could expand and, you know, share how to do that. And he said, the very first thing you have to recognize is that who you were, he's like, I don't believe that once of this, always of that. Because I know a lot of people that were that and they changed. And so in your own life, you have to recognize at any moment, whoever you feel like you have been is not bound like into the future. And that's just, that's, it's just, just, once you release those traumas, you release those tags and what people have told about you or, or the experience that have happened, right? Like, just know that the person on the other side does not, is not represented by whoever you have been. Mm. And it can change it. It can change dramatically at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we label ourselves as well. Like it's like, uh, I saw this actually, I'm going to pull it up right now. I saw this Instagram meet, not meme, whatever those little image graphic image things are where it says, Describe yourself. Hold on. Let me just pull it up right now. It cool. says, who are you? Answer without using any of the below. Name, job title, relationship status, culture, <laughs> things you do, or your friends. So and all of good. a sudden, you got to go, wait, who are you? I'm not a financial coach. I'm not a 34-year-old single girl in Vancouver, Canadian, you know, Chinese, Dutch, things yeah. I do, podcaster, friends who I associate with. Like, who am I? Exactly. And that's a, oh, that was from Chopra, actually. Perfect. So Must funny. Be. Of course I didn't is. even know that until just now. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that's... I'll, 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 I'll send it to you and I probably have to post it after this because yeah. everyone's, you know, everyone's going to listen to this and want to see it. A little journaling prompt. It's um, so good. How good is that? Like, it's who so are you? Good. Who is Tyler, who is XYZ listening to this podcast yeah. and, and getting connected with that yeah. and getting connected with who you are and what you stand for. So let's talk about your business for a minute and some of the work that you do. You talk about getting people more connected and I, and you know, I feel even more connected just from spending this last 45 minutes or however long it's been with you. What, what are some of the things that you do with your clients and what are some of the things that you've got coming up for, for your business? Well, um, one tool that somebody can use listening to this to get in touch with their mortality is to sit down with some music and a pen and paper and draw a scene of your deathbed. So much will come from that. It is super uncomfortable. But I've walked quite a few people through this, and I get messages now of people who say, I look at this every single day to be able to align myself to how I want to show up today. But that's not the point of the exercise. There's Everybody has a completely different point and take away from it. That'll be your own and even be unlike the ones of, of people who have done this exercise already. So that is one thing that you can do. Um, for me, what's up and coming is I continue to work with people one-on-one. -on -one, and I also have some retreats. So I have a retreat in Yosemite that is based off of a backpacking trip I did when I was in high school. And my mom was going through a brain tumor and surgery and chemotherapy. And um, I did a backcountry backpacking trip in Yosemite. And I've designed this retreat to be a lot like that. There's just something about the power of nature that I think is more powerful than I as a coach could ever be. And on the very last day of that, we actually hike uh, the backside of Half Dome and go up to the very top. So that's one thing that's really, really cool. And the other is a retreat in Mexico where we'll go down to um, a place in Tijuana where there are some children who've been saved from sex trafficking. And it's a nonprofit and uh, there'll be some time with them and just sharing your heart and loving on, on some kids and then also some personal development work. And just that, again, deep connection to who are you really? 
despite like, your experiences or where you were born or who, what house you were born into and how do you want to then put who you truly are out into the world? Mm, I just got chills thinking about that Tijuana one and to be honest, the Yosemite one as well, because like, like you mentioned, the being out in nature just has a different level of energy that your soul absorbs. You know, I feel it whenever I'm in the mountains, I used to be a scuba diving instructor and feel it every time I was in the ocean. It's just, there's just a different level of meditation and, and calmness that you yes. find when you're out in nature. And I know yeah. I was trying to convince you to host a retreat in Montana because you're originally from Montana and I'm obsessed with Montana <laughs> because of the TV show Yellowstone. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to have to happen too. Cause that would just, I know yeah, I'll be yeah. your biggest supporter. I'll be, yeah, I'll stake <laughs> you in that one because I'm like, I need to secretly go there and make a business trip out of it because I don't know anyone that's from there and you're from there. <laughs> right. So very cool. Some very exciting things coming up. So where is the best place for people to reach out to you and to connect with you and, and chat to you about some of the work that you do and your upcoming retreats and, and getting connected? Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. It's um, the best place is really Instagram. My handle is just my name, Tyler Ranalla, R-A-N-A-L-L-A. I'm on Facebook as well, but Instagram is kind of the easiest. Um, I have a website as well where people can get in contact with me, but I find uh, I personally really enjoy the type of connections and interactions that I make through Instagram. So uh, reach out to me there. Great. Yeah. And I'll link it below. And Ooh, this has been such a great podcast. I mean, this is what I mean. Every time you and I get on a call together, we always have so much to talk about. And every yeah. time it's like opening Pandora's box into a new topic. So thank it you is. so much for being here with me today. Uh, I cannot wait for this episode to get shared to the masses. And hopefully people are going to take up these exercises and, and really get honest with who they are and what they want. So Thank you so much for joining me and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey.